0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm Michael Miles, one of the editors at Redbird Rants. Joined tonight by our host for tonight's show, Tito Rivera. We're also joined by Dan Campbell and Larry Levin. Just a quick note, we really apologize for any technical difficulties we had at the start. Those uh, we just can't explain, but we are really glad to be here. And Dan, are you with us?
2: I am on. Good evening.
1: Good evening. And, Larry, are you with us? I am alive and strong and well, my friend. Here I am. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, Tito, if you can join us at any time, please do. In the in the meantime, um, let's dive right into it, you guys. Before we get into any agenda that, that Tito had put together for us and did a great job of doing so, Let's just get some of your reaction, knowing that we're going into our first spring training game tomorrow, and we've got Jack Flaherty taking uh, the mouth. So let's start with that. And Larry, what are your thoughts on that? I'm
3: excited. I mean, you know, it's uh, Jack, Jack's been at the uh, forefront of many discussions about why the Cardinals have and haven't done um, certain moves over the offseason, right? He is uh, expected to be, especially with Alex Reyes, questionable with his, um, with his recovery. Jack is expected to be the next strong youngster up uh, if the starting five, uh, any of the starting five, fails. So giving him the nod for the first couple of innings of the first spring training game, I think, is a, a very strong statement uh, on behalf of what they expect of him. Yeah,
1: I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, glad it's going to be on Fox Sports Midwest. And what do you, what are your thoughts on that, Dan?
2: Well, I think the real story here is not just that Jack Flaherty is starting this game, but that the first batter he will face is Mag Sierra. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. you can't write it better than that. The one guy the Cardinals refused to trade facing the best guy arguably, that the Cardinals did trade to acquire Ozuna. I mean, that's a compelling storyline. I'm excited to see it. I'm going to have it on at work tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, That's the benefit of having two monitors at your desk job, is you can put (laughs) baseball on the one that no one can see. (laughs) So um, I'm going to be watching. I'm really excited. I'm glad that's what we started with, because Cardinals fans, no matter how you felt about the moves that were made this offseason or that were not made, you have to be excited, and if you're a true Cardinals fan, I know you are, just like Larry, me, and
1: Dr. Miles
2: are. I'll
1: tell you, another great Cardinals fan is Tito Rivera. And, Tito, have you, have you managed to join us? I don't know. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Hey, we got you, Tito. And I'll tell you what, my favorite Cardinals fan is the one who has yet to join us on this planet but is coming, and that is the little Rivera that is in progress. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, mine too
1: (laughs) Well listen Tito, I'm going to hand the show over to you You guys have a great show Sorry for the technical difficulties Glad we got those things worked out And go Cardinals tomorrow Okay guys, so I'm going to give
0: my two cents Real quick on on the Jack Flaherty And and the start that he's going to have tomorrow And I think you know, outside of the uh, storyline with Magnier Sierra, which is a really compelling storyline, I think this is a very good opportunity to see where Jack Flaherty left off from his short stint in the major leagues last year. And I think part of me wants to see where he keeps developing, especially with his command. He's got a pretty good fastball. He's got good secondary pitches. I, w- I want to see him throw strikes, and I want to see him be ahead in the count early on in the game. I think part of me also realizes that I know that he's only going to throw two innings, so it's going to be short work. But what happens if he does manage to get through the two innings with a small pitch count? Do you think Mike Matheny is going to go for a third inning, Dan?
2: Um, I don't think so. There's, it, it's high risk just because it can be second guessed if anything were to go wrong, which something always can. And you know, there's not a ton of reward. I, I I'd like to see what he does in the two innings. Is he trying to impress people such that he makes you think twice about whether or not the fifth rotation spot is his or not? Or is he out there like some of these uh, older guys? Are they? Is he trying to work on something? Is he is he working on a new pitch? That someone taught him or a new grip on a a, a variety of a pitch you know a lot of guys do that in spring training so I'm interested to see it too but to answer your question I don't think he'll have a very long leash even if he even if he got like nine you know if he had six pitches for two innings maybe maybe they send him out right because he needs to throw a little bit more but uh, you know outside of that which is not super likely in my opinion, then uh, I think he'll be yanked after two and he'll work on the backfields if he needs more work.
0: Larry, Dan actually made uh, an interesting point right there that, you know, he's trying to impress somebody. Um, What if that somebody isn't on the Cardinals and it's an actual different team and he's auditioning for a potential trade? What, what are your thoughts on that?
3: I am not, in it, I I think if they had wanted to pull the trigger on Flaherty, they could have done that um, prior to the season. Now, having said that, anything is possible, of course. But you know, I think you know one of the one of the nice things for Flaherty at this point is, you know, I'm sure they while he's a competitive guy like all of them are, you know, he knows that he doesn't have to be you know pushing or over trying to overperform to come into the road slide into the rotation at the beginning of the season, because that's not their plan. Um, they've kind of said what their plan is. I don't necessarily agree with their plan, but, but they, they've identified, you know, the, who the, who the top five are if healthy. So I, I think he has all upside at this point to relax, um, experiment. as um, Dan suggested, um, his changeup is something that's had a little bit of uh, work needed with it because it doesn't always deliver at the same speed or at the same separation of speed between uh, from his fastball. Um, so that's something I'm sure he'll be working on. Uh, but this is a guy with just amazing potential. And I think tomorrow he gets his two innings. And one of the reasons they don't go beyond two innings is, you know, they got other people slotted too every day. And tomorrow, John Gant, and um, if I remember right, uh, Jordan Hicks, among others, so uh, who I'm also excited to see.
0: Yeah, and the only reason I say that is because I, I find it very interesting that Jack Flaherty would be the one to start the games for the Cardinals. You know, you'd like mm-hmm. to maybe see Carlos Martinez or maybe even Adam Wainwright just to see what they got. So I, I found it very interesting that Jack Flaherty – is the starter for tomorrow. But I, I am excited. I think, you know, as far as a young pitcher or one of our young pitchers, I think I would be want to see him the most at this point uh, and just to see what he's got. And, and Larry, you mentioned John Gant. Um Again, remember, Cardinal fans, that he came over in a trade uh, with the Atlanta Braves. And so we haven't seen too much of John Gantt over the last year. I mean, we saw him in brief appearances last season, and so now he's going to be in spring training again trying to get either on the bullpen, uh, you know, the bullpen team, or I may, he has a really big outside shot at a rotation. Dan, what are you expecting, or what would you like to see from John Gantt tomorrow when he takes the mound? Well, I
2: think when he came back up last, you know, when the rosters expanded, he came up. He got, you know, a couple cups of coffee with the big league club, and I know, like you guys know that. Was, so we got him in the Jaime Garcia trade uh, from Atlanta, and he was ranked in our top 30 prospects. Although he is not right now. Um, sort of out of sight, out of mind and he dealt with injuries last year. But that said, when he came up last September and he was aggressive with hitters and attacked hitters, I thought he did really well. I like his stuff. I, I'm surprised that so many people have, you know, I don't know, lost faith in him or, or the luster has come off or something like that, with him dropping out of the I mean Bravic Valera what we all know is that most a backup <laughs> utility infielder was listed as number 30 on our top prospects instead of John Gant. I mean, I don't understand that, but uh, I like him. He, you know, he flashes mid nineties heat when he wants to, he's got decent secondary pitches. And when, when he keeps them around the plate, not up in the zone, he's pretty effective and he's shown that he can get major league hitters out. So I'm hoping he, you know, uses this as an audition and is aggressive and he really attacks
0: the hitters. That, those are great points, Larry. What are you expecting from John Gant tomorrow?
3: Uh, you know, I kind of what what Dan said. I, I, I would say I would say sometimes I think with uh, Gant is he falls into a bit of a tweener category for the Cardinals, um, and sometimes with the Cardinals. You know, they they seem to have this, this penchant. I don't know if you guys agree with this or not. They seem to have this penchant for, you know, slotting certain kinds of pitchers or hitters in certain roles. You know, Gritchick departs, and, you know, Tyler O'Neill is his, quote, replacement as the big brawny slugger. You know, um, we'll see, uh, you know, Jordan Hicks, who obviously isn't ready for Major League Primetime yet, but, but you know, he's the... The, you know, one of the next fireballers of the upcoming generation. You know, somebody like Gantt in the minor leagues was just plain competent. He was, you know, a very effective pitcher. He almost always had a very fine ERA. He managed situations nicely. As Dan says, he can throw in the mid-90s. You know, I don't know, you know, if they see him more of a starter, more of a reliever. You know, we saw the problems that Tyler Lyons has faced with never having a real role of fitting in in a slot that they they might perceive it for other players. So so while I don't know what we'll see tomorrow, I, I do worry about, you know, his utility for a team that sometimes gets a little bit maybe myopic on how they slot certain certain players. What do you think about that, Tito?
0: You know, yeah, I, I guess in a way I, I do agree with you. And I think part of this, comes from and, and, oh, an abundance of pitchers that we have right now. And mm-hmm. so they can mix and match who they think is going to succeed in different roles. And mm-hmm. I think, as you're kind of saying here, is Gant falls into one of those pitches where you could see him as a starter or you could see him as a bullpen guy. And that's where I, that's why, personally, I think – uh, and this goes back to Dan's comment. That's why I think you see him fall out of the top thirty in prospects, is because you don't really know what he is at this point. Because they've used him in so many different roles, they're not able to. They're not able to pinpoint what he is best at at this point. And it almost feels like that Gant is kind of on the short end of the stick here when it comes to the young Cardinal pitchers or young prospects, because. He's not as highly touted as Dakota Hudson, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Hicks, you know, Junior Fernandez, for instance. And, and so, really, when I look at John Gann, what I expect from him uh, this spring is I just expect him to compete. And I'm not even sure that he makes it out of spring training. And I don't, I'm not convinced that he makes it out of uh, or makes it to St. Louis for the big leagues. The only way that he does is if he outpitches somebody so drastically that there's no, there's no point in not taking him. But I just don't see it because, to, to Larry's point, there, there is just too much ambiguity of what he actually does for the team. that it, it, It's kind of difficult to really pinpoint, you know, what he's going to contribute to the Cardinals, at, you know, other than depth and we all know that the Cardinals have a lot of pitching depth right now because they didn't really trade anybody besides um, Alcantara, but they needed to do that. In order to get Marcelo Zuna, it was going to require something like that, and if you were going to trade somebody, it was going to be him. So, Dan, what do you think of Larry's comments?
2: You know, I think the the comp to Tyler Lyons is a good one. It's a little unfair to John Gant, and it's it's an it odd is. choice to trade for that guy because you knew what you were getting when you traded for him. You knew that he was probably a middle relief guy or maybe a back end rotation guy or a long man or something like that. You knew that's kind of where he was, but he has, you know, he's a good pitcher and the Cardinals just don't give guys like that an opportunity. I'll disagree with you on one small thing that you said, Tito. I actually think that Gantt, will be one of the surprises of camp and that he will be one of the more dominant pitchers in spring training because of what Larry said, really, he's shown a competent ability to get minor league players out. And you've got minor league players and you've got major league players who are working on things. And I think a guy like Gant can thrive in spring training in those situations. (laughs) And so I bet he's going to be one of the more dominant pitchers that we see. You know, you're going to – everybody's going to be apologists for a Jordan Hicks, who I know we're going to talk to or talk about, or a Ryan Helsley or a Dakota Hudson if they get rocked in a start. But I I would urge those people who are like, oh, no, no, it's just one start for these guys. You know, they had a bad outing or whatever. Whatever people are going to say when that inevitably happens with these young guys that just throw a fastball – um, I hope that they take the same approach when John Gant has a dominant outing, right? I hope and, they support yeah. him the same way that they come to the aid of our of the people who are seen in higher regard because they throw harder.
0: Yeah, and, and and don't get me wrong, I want I want him to succeed. I just want when I say that I don't expect him to make it out of camp, I personally think. Most of the Cardinals roster is pretty much locked in, um, and and I just don't see where John Gamp falls in the in the roster besides the bullpen, obviously. But for who, you know, Matt Bowman's not going to be. Matt, Matt Bowman's going to be there. You're going to take Tyler Lyons. Brebbia, I, I would like to keep Brebbia in there. He pitched well last year. He did. Yeah. In my opinion. And so I think Brebius stays, you know, Tyler Lyons, you got Brett Cecil, you got Luke Gregerson, you're going to have Bud Norris as well. That's why, I, that's why I say that he probably doesn't make it out of there, not because he can't pitch. It's just I think the bullpen is almost set. It's just who is going to be in the ninth inning, and we'll talk about, again, like you said, Dan, Jordan Hicks later in that role. But I, I just – don't see where he actually makes it out of there
3: and that's that's not
0: it's not it's not his fault though it's not his fault. yeah let me ask one
2: question for both you guys it's just a short one if uh if gant out pitches brebbia and it's it's clearly he out pitches him clearly does gant get the last bullpen spot or does brebbia in your opinion
3: I can answer that. Go ahead, Barry. Go ahead. Larry. Uh, I'm probably wrong, but I can answer it. I think. I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, look. the The problem. The problem for GM is, if Flaherty, if Flaherty is not as ready as they'd like him to be to be the next man up in the rotation, and there's an injury to one of the starting. Uh, the, the, the top five in the rotation, you start to ask yourself, you know, who's going to slide into that slot? So so if they work Norris as a reliever more than a starter, you know, we don't know yet how that will develop. We know what they've said, but we don't know how that will develop. Then, then it could be that they want to hold John Gant as the guy who could – you know, who is more experienced than Jack Flaherty, you know, who's more experienced than Dakota Hudson. Remember, this is a guy who has 100 starts in the minor league. So so this is a guy who's who's done it and done it for a good long time, even though he's only 25, you know. So it could be that, you know, if there's an injury on the starter side and player, they don't deem Flaherty ready, this could be the guy. Or early in the season, if he starts at Memphis and somebody is injured or not performing, um, you know, he could be the guy. So so that would be the – I would see Dan as being more likely to be the backup starter than I would to see him in the bullpen at the beginning of the year. So to answer
0: Dan's question, though, if he outpitches Brevia in spring, who gets the
3: spot? I don't think he'll be in a bullpen. that's what I'm trying to say. i just i think I think they're they have scarce they have scarce resources in reserve predictable starters, and that's why I think they'll hold him back
0: so you so you say he so Brevia gets that spot and Gantz and the minors to start the season then for you
3: if Brevia or somebody gets that spot yeah yeah, okay.
0: yeah. Um, if I have to answer this honestly. I agree with Larry. Uh, as much as I would like to see Gant pitch, I think Brevia is is built to be in the bullpen, and I think that's what you go with. You go with your strength. You go with people that have been in the bullpen, and and, and can do that. Not that Gant probably couldn't do it, but I think I agree with Larry in the sense that yeah, he's probably your uh, backup. Starter in a moment's notice, essentially, that can come in and pitch a game if somebody gets injured or whatnot. Now, the interesting thing is, is if he does get into the bullpen, he has to be a long reliever, right? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just don't see. I, and I think the problem is, is that. I don't think Matheny would use him in situations uh, in high-leverage situations, your seventh and eighth innings. I don't see him being in there. So if anything, he would be a guy that comes in in the sixth inning, maybe in the fifth and sixth inning. But at that point, you got to look at your rotation and say, okay, who's not getting it done? No, I agree. And that's a whole different and that's a whole different story. And so that's why I don't think and that's why I don't think the really has a spot on the bullpen even if he did out Brevia. What do you, what I mean, Dan, what what is what's your answer to your own question?
2: No, I agree I I agree with you guys. I, I think those are great points. Um I, I just I feel a little bad for the guy because if yeah, he, you know this this team is kinda of built around like the best guy gets the job for these types of spots. You know, the mm-hmm. last spot in the bullpen, the last guy on the bench you know, we're going to give that to the top performer. That's why we had uh, Jeremy Hazelbaker, right, for example, mm-hmm. you know, yes. who popped and fizzed. And, and, you know, like guys like Bo Hart can make the team, stuff like that, throwing it back a little bit for you. So, you know, I feel bad for the guy, but ultimately I agree that you're right. It's either going to be Brebbia or someone else uh, with options who's going to get the bullpen spot because there's no chance that Brebbia is going to be a starter. We know that. So, um, you know, why not have the bullpen guy in the bullpen and the starters starting in the minors? So I I agree.
1: Yeah, it's it's a
0: tough situation. And I I still am interested to see how he does. Um, But I think of the two that we've talked about today between Flaherty and Gantt, I think we would all agree that we are way more interested in seeing Jack Flaherty pitch tomorrow um, against the Marlins, and and that, it will be a good game. I, I think it will be fun to see Cardinal baseball. So um, if you are listening in, remember the Cardinals do play tomorrow, 12:05 p.m. Central Time. So tune into Fox Sports Midwest, KMOX. They'll be having the game on there too. Um, we are going to take our first break tonight. You are listening to the official Redbird Grants podcast, season two, episode two. We'll be back in a second. Okay, guys, welcome back to the official Redbird Grants podcast. I'm your host, Tito Rivera. I am joined by Dan Campbell and Larry Levin. Guys, we just got done talking about the starter and uh, kind of, I guess you could say middle reliever for uh, the first spring training game for the St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow We're going to go ahead and switch it up to the lineup of what we are expecting, and I know we don't really have the lineup out tonight, but I want to hear what you guys are looking for, mainly in, let's say, the first three in the order contains Ozuna, Fowler, and Carpenter, one of those three. What are you looking for in the lineup early on in spring training, Larry? Um,
3: uh, I guess what I'm what I'm looking for is um, kind of the mix and match to figure out uh, what this this garble of a of a lineup will look like. I, I know um, I know we have a little problem early on with Carpenter and his back, so that's going to give some opportunities that weren't that weren't there uh, already. But but you know we had Matheny going into the spring with an idea of what his lineup was, but I certainly didn't get the impression that it was a done deal between now and the end of March. So I'm sure we'll see a variety of combinations, especially the first um, two or three weeks. I also think, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see for me personally, to see which uh, of the many outfielders, Still in the cardinal organization after Mags, after Piscotty, and after Grichick, uh were dealt. I'm really interested to see which one of them or ones of them get at bats. Um, which ones of them perform and give a look um, that impresses the team? Because even if they have an idea of who they want uh, in the outfield, the, the fourth outfield spot going into the season there's easily an opportunity for an Oscar Mercado to impress, you know, for a um, – um, who else? I'm blanking a little bit. Uh, Jonathan Machado O'Neill. to impress. Uh, Tyler O'Neal to impress. Thank you. You know, so, So you know, they're loaded with young outfielders. So, you know, even, even if Vader is the favorite going in,
1: you know, and injuries
3: can cause call-ups real fast. And I know they want to – you know, most of these guys – are within a couple of years of each other age-wise, they're so really going to want to gauge what the relative maturity of these guys are um, and test them. Uh, oh, Randy or, or Rosarena—that's another one. So, Dan, what do you think about that?
2: Um, well, as, as far as the three that Tito mentioned, I'm most excited to see Fowler. Um, I skipped
3: that question. Sorry. <laughs>
2: oh, you've been skipping all the questions, so we've let it pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know. I'm excited to see two things with Fowler. One is I'm excited to see where, if he plays tomorrow, where he bats in the lineup. And then second, I'm excited to see his approach when he takes his first at-bat because I think he's really added some strength and he's focused on slugging, which I know is a little contrary to Matheny's idea to bat him leadoff instead of Carpenter. I don't see that as lasting that long. I actually think right. that Fowler is going to have a big year. Um, and, you know, it goes with my question that I asked our group of writers the other day, which is, do you think the Cardinals outfield will have a cumulative war uh, over or under 11.5? Um, I take the over on that because uh, I don't think Pham and Ozuna are going to regress as much as the projections think they will. And I think Fowler's going to have a big year for this team. We were really good when he was healthy and in the lineup and and clicking last year. And I think he's pretty critical to this team. So that's the answer to Tito's first part. And then I just wanted to real quick comment uh, on Randy Arazzarona and Tito, please correct our butchering of how to pronounce his name, but. um, It's a Rosarena.
3: (laughs) A a Rosarena. Thank you. Uh,
2: so, So the guy absolutely made a mockery Of the Mexican league. I mean, every time I look, he, he had like seven hits. He saved a baby in the stands and like eight, uh, eight, like seven hot dogs and seven innings. It was impressive. And I'm, I'm like, I, this guy has jumped up on the depth chart. If you look at the top 30 prospects list that just came out, he's above thing. People like Mercado, he's jumped Mercado in the rankings. And I think that's because he dominated the Mexican league. And so I'm excited to see that guy and and really just the whole team out there playing. All of our young guys, we have such knowledge of them nowadays because the the visibility and the scouting is so much better and we talk about them more. And so it's really cool to see these guys. I'm really excited excited to see the whole team and what the lineup does and and how we do.
1: Yeah. And I think
0: for me, if I'm going into tomorrow thinking of, you know the lineup and you know the three guys that I mentioned I think I'm most interested in seeing what Arcel Ozuna has to to bring to the table and and the reason why I say that is because he was the centerpiece that of our off season and a lot of talk and I, and I know you guys know this but a lot of talk has been centered around whether he can duplicate what he did last year And I say that because, you know, the previous years, you know, they weren't as good as 2017, um, but he's gotten better. And so I think the biggest question for Marcelo Zuna is going to be, can you do it again? Or at least be close enough to the numbers that you had. And and for me, I hope so, obviously, but I think – if the Cardinals are going to be good and succeed, they really need him to be what he was last year. And so if we can see that kind of player through the first couple games of spring, you know, the first week or two of spring, I think I'll feel a lot better about the off season than I do at this point. And so I'm looking forward to him. Now, I do want to hit on something that you guys have mentioned, and that is the outfield depth of the St. Louis Cardinals. At this point, if all the young guys continue to do well, the Cardinals really have a tough situation on their hands. They already got rid of Magnair-Sierra. They got rid of Gritchick. They got rid of Piscotti. Now, Gritchick and Piscotti, those were pretty much uh, a given as to what was going to happen, Sierra not so much. But as you guys have mentioned, Mercado, Rosarena, O'Neal, Bader, those guys are are itching to get up to the big leagues. And you've got and you already have your outfield set for next year. Is the competition between the fourth outfield more compelling? than any other race or any other competition this year for the Cardinals? Dan? I think so. And and let me
2: just offer a, a solution real quick. The Cardinals should just take away first and third base play Wong and DeYoung in the infield and play with five outfielders, because that's the only way to address the depth that we have in the outfield is to just change our defensive alignment to only play outfielders. Plus, everybody's raising their (laughs) launch angle. Nobody's hitting ground balls anymore anyway. They're striking out or flying out or hitting homers. So it really should work. Um, All kidding aside, um, I think it's important, but I'm going to throw my dark horse candidate in. Um, The majority of fourth outfield at-bats, are going to go to uh, Jose Martinez, and one of the three starters will shift to center field when the others are resting to get Jose Martinez in the lineup in a corner position. That's assuming that Carpenter and Jorco are healthy and both are hitting well, um, because you want all three bats in the lineup on the day you're resting one of your starting outfielders. The, the only reason I raise that is not to tout my undying love of jose martinez and belief in his abilities but to also say that winning the fourth outfield outfielder position is a bit of a a red herring okay so like if bader who many i believe has the inside track on the position wins wins air quotes the fourth outfielder position He's not going to get to play much. Matheny doesn't know how to how to use all of these assets the right way, and he's not going to get in that many games. So he's not going to get the reps. He's essentially going to have the year that Carson Kelly had last year because he's just going to be relegated to a, a very sparsely used bench role. So the guy who does not win, the O'Neal, uh, in this situation or scenario, some of the other guys we've talked about, who get regular at-bats at AAA, and then when an injury comes is like the hot hand, those guys are going to pole vault like, into the starting lineup over the fourth outfielder who is maybe cold or hasn't had enough at-bats to show that he's got the hot hand. So I actually think winning the fourth outfielder position is not a great thing for the development of our young outfielders.
0: So, But that's my thoughts on it. All right, Larry, what do you think? Is the fourth outfield competition the most important or the most compelling race the St. Louis Cardinals have in spring training?
3: I don't. I, 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 I don't. Even with Dan's configuration with five outfielders mm-hmm. and two infielders, and, and Dan, of course, lives in Chicago, so he's, he's one of the devotees of the very strange game known as 16-inch softball that's played <laughs> without gloves. And of course, you know you can. You need to put as many outfielders out there as you possibly can, because you know the sluggers hit it, uh, a Brooklyn mile. But but that aside, I would say I think the going out of spring training, the choice for the fourth outfielder will be fairly easy. I think it will be Harrison Bader, not because I think Harrison Bader is inherently better than Tyler O'Neill, but because I think Tyler O'Neill needs to prove some things in terms of his ability to get on base uh, more and strike out less um, to differentiate himself from the player that was Randall Gritchick. Um And I think the, the best way for him to do that is in the minor leagues at Memphis. Uh, Harrison Bader, you know, many people say it was even mentioned in the MLB top 30 profile of him. You know, he's proven you know, that he, can, that he can probably play at this level as a fourth or fifth outfielder, um, but that his upside probably isn't overwhelmingly much above that. And I'm going to disagree with Dan on Jose Martinez, not because of his quality, even though I know Dan uh, is totally in love with the guy. I, I think highly of the guy. I think we still need to see more than, you know, um, a few hundred at-bats in one season at this level. But that's not the reason. The reason is because I think Carpenter and Jericho may, um, may both be injury prone um, this year, which could mean two things for Martinez. First, he's going to get enough bats in the, in the infield. And second, they won't want to risk the more, um, the more um, challenging and aggressive play that's required of outfield play over first base. Um, and not risk that he would get injured out there um, so that they have him as the full capable backup um, for Jerko and for Carpenter in the infield. So I think it'll be Bader. I don't think Martinez will get as many outfield bat, uh, uh, appearances as Dan suggests. And the final reason for that is I just don't think he's a very good outfielder. So those are my thoughts.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... I think Larry's probably right with this one. I think Harrison Bader is is going to be the fourth outfielder, and that's mainly because that's that's his forte. That's he's a good defensive outfielder, um, and I think that's what he's going to be used as uh, late inning defensive replacement. Um, obviously, he'll have his opportunities to pinch hit. Um, And and I kind of disagree with Dan a little bit. I don't think he's going to be much like Carson Kelly. Um, And and I I get where you're coming from because it's obviously – I'm not saying that Harrison Bader is going to start a lot of games, but I think Harrison Bader actually gets in way more games than than Carson Kelly. And I think Bader has the inside track mainly because – um, I just don't think Tyler O'Neill has the batting average or the consistent contact to keep up with Vader. Um, it'd be nice to see Tyler O'Neill change that story about him um, because all we hear is that he is Grichick's replacement. And sure, the guy can be as strong as an ox and, and look just absolutely huge in pictures. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, he still needs to perform on the field and at 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 the plate. And, and as far as Jose Martinez, he's going to make the team. There's no reason not to keep not to have him on the team because he can be a uh, a de facto fifth outfielder or your backup first baseman. Um, you could even see him as your right-handed hitting first baseman when uh, Matt Carpenter needs rest or they're going against a lefty that Matt Carpenter and not figure out. So I think they both make the team, but I think the primary role for Harrison Bader will be the fourth outfielder while Jose Martinez is more of your, you know, your pinch hitter and then comes in as a as a replacement. What do you guys think of that? I I think
2: you're probably right about that. The issue is and this will all be moot when at, when one of Fam and or Fowler gets injured. So right, this sure. will all, this will all change because they have never had a season where they haven't been injured, basically. But right. Marcelo Zuna, however, different story. He played in 159 games last year. The guy doesn't come yep. off the field. So if if Bader is in in the outfield, and I agree. I, by the way, I didn't say this, but I think Bader will be the fourth outfielder. So let okay. me just say that. Um, I do agree with you guys on that, and it's mainly because of speed and defense and and the ability to make contact. He's just a better all-around player right now for that role. So um, I I agree with you. If he's in, we don't really use him the best way we can. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be in right field replacing Fowler most often, right? Because if you believe that Fowler is probably the least valuable outfielder, if the other two guys are healthy, they're playing every day, and that's Pham and Ozuna. So if, if someone's getting a rest, it's probably not going to be those guys if they're healthy. They don't want to rest unless they're forced to. So then you got Bader in right field, and that kind of limits his defensive ability. So I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think you know he's not going to get a I, – I don't agree that he's going to get a lot of at-bats. Um, because I just think there's too many other options. Uh, b- but I do agree, he'll be on the team fourth outfielder, but I think he's limited defensively in right field.
0: Yeah, I, I, you bring up a good point, and that they're not going to use him um, to his best ability. He probably is a center fielder or a left fielder, really, which begs the question begs actually two questions for me and that I, I want to throw out there because of that is Matheny making a mistake by playing Ozuna in left field instead of right field Larry
3: I mean it it's it's a tough call you know I I love to rip on Mike Matheny. I really do <laughs> it's it's like a you know it's like an avocation of mine but 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 in this case Look, it's it's hard. I mean, he's a great outfielder, but he also won the Gold Glove in left field, right? So, so you know, it, it, it's a hard sell, especially for a guy still, you know, in his twenties for another couple of years to say I'm going to pry him loose from the place he won a Gold Glove and move him, especially if he's comfortable there. Um, so, so I'm of a mixed feeling, but I'm okay with him staying in left. The 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 the, the although I think he'd be probably the best right fielder on the team. What I'll say about um, about Dan's comments is 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 the only thing about why I think Fowler may get less rest than um, than you suggested is because this is a team with scant left-handed hitting resources, right? So 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 I think you know I think when Dex can't play, he will play um, just because with Wong and Carpenter, um, and especially if Carpenter is is hurt you know, we're going to need some of those left-handed bats in the lineup and there are precious few. Um, so, so, you know, I see Bader's um, starts and I think they'll be limited, but for injury being distributed around the outfield because he's a right, right-handed bat as well. Um, I, I agree with Dan that it's probably Bader's best defensive spot would be center. Um, he does have a good arm. So right field is useful for him. Um, and then uh that that's kind of how I feel you know we still we still have to see a year of Tommy Tam in center field, right? I mean, I mean that's that's something we've we've glossed over a little bit is we all we all think he has the tools to do it uh he has the personal confidence to do it um you know, can he do it for a whole season? I think so, you know but but it remains to be seen until we see it actually done so Dan.
0: Do you think Mike Matheny is making the mistake of, of putting Marcelo Zuna in left field instead of right field based on what we know of Harrison Bader and what he would excel at?
3: Um,
2: no, but I think it's less related to Bader for my reason why. I What we learned, which I, I was I was surprised by this, so I don't know how you guys feel, but when we signed Fowler... What we learned about Fowler is that he's a huge diva about where he plays, <laughs> which, which from that guy, I never expected. He's like a table-setting leadoff guy uh, for the small bears up here and, like, totally unimposing, unoffending figure. And then all of a sudden, he's like, I'm a center fielder, and I don't really play anywhere else. It's like, what? What do you? Where did that come from? So I, I think him being a bit of a diva, which, which hey, whatever. I mean, I just, I, it violated my expectations is all. I don't really care. Um, I think that what is what really drove all of these decisions. Like, okay, you're a diva. We get it. You can't be in center because you're garbage in center. So no matter how much of a diva you are, you're garbage in center field. So left or right, pick one. I'm sure Ozuna will do the other. And then he's like, I want right field. And then they justified that by saying, well, Ozuna won a gold glove in left field. That's where he's comfortable. So I get it. All of it makes sense to me. So I don't think there's a lot of there there. Um, but I think it's mostly because of Fowler's preferences, which, hey, if it can make that guy happy being in right field, then good. I want him
0: to be happy. Just not in center because he's garbage in center. <laughs> so then this is going to bring me to my second question knowing where the Cardinals sit with their outfielders and and whatnot, I'm just going to be blatantly and, and just ask a blatant, honest question. Why didn't we trade more outfielders for better players this year?
3: Larry? Well, this is something, you know, all three of us disagree and argue about a lot of things, but this isn't one that I have much, disagreement with I mean I you know we're sitting here five weeks before the season starts you know with a you know predictions that most people haven't argued very much with that show us eight games you know behind the Cubs and you can you can quibble about a few things clearly you know we have some we have some old, uber conservative uh, war ratings on some of our players according to baseball perspective. And that's arguable, but you can't really argue you know, about the overall difference in the clubs. I mean the Cubs have a superior team, they have superior starters, uh certainly more proven starters. They have um, they have a real strong lineup and they have a really strong infield. You could argue that we have a better outfield, but they have a really strong infield. They have a catcher that in many ways has fought Yachty and, and arguably surpassed him um, and, and they have a really strong bench as well so while they may not stand as tall as the Dodgers or maybe the Washington Nationals they're a strong club and we're sitting more in a um, in a Rockham Sock'em Robots with the Brewers you know for a wild card spot so, so the answer is I don't know you know I don't know why we didn't do that. We had both pitching and outfield depth to spare. Um, there are guys on those on those depth charts who aren't going to see the light of day with the St. Louis Cardinals, given who we have signed for the next couple years, unless our injuries go five, six, seven pitchers or outfielders deep. So it's a great question. Uh, all I can surmise is that the team, for some reason, um, which I plan on writing about in the coming days, I uh, decided that, that to speculate about what those reasons are, they could have decided that they'd spent enough money, they could have a difference of opinion about the quality of the players, they could believe that it's that they can get by at the beginning of the season and trade later on. Um, all of which I disagree with, um, but ultimately it comes back. If I have to answer your question honestly, I just don't know.
0: All right, Dan, you heard theory disagree agree what do you think why it, with all this depth why didn't the Cardinals do more
2: well well, Larry brought in the pitching depth so I want to focus just on the outfield depth which I sure. think is, is what you originally asked about and I'll just say my, my thought is yeah, and Larry. I'm, 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 I'm thinking that the Cardinals are rational actors here right so I'm assuming that so what I'm, what I'm thinking is we didn't move outfield depth for better players because we couldn't. That's where I fall. Um, I think we were willing to. I think we maybe even wanted to. And I think we maybe even tried to. But we couldn't because we value our outfielders more than other teams. And more importantly, other teams are not stupid they know that we have 37 outfielders for for three spots. And when we try to say, hey, I'll give you a bucket of outfielders for that shiny, bright Chris Archer toy that you have, they're like, get the hell out of here. Give me a couple shiny pitchers back. So <laughs> I think we probably couldn't do that much with our outfield depth. Um, and so that that's why I think there weren't any moves for better players um, or, or to, players – That we could have gotten, the team did not think would have significantly improved the team. So, so that's that's sort of why, in my opinion.
0: So I'll 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 counter I'll counter that last bit by saying you don't think Harrison Bader would have been worth Alex Colome.
2: Um, you know I don't like Colome. Um, but I
3: right I I, I would but the idea of
0: having a, a closer rather than your 36th outfielder of 37. Yeah,
2: no, I, I see where you're going, and I agree with you. I don't think the Rays do that deal. I think we would have done that deal. I would have done that deal. I don't think the Rays do that deal because for four years of control for a proven closer who, you know, depending on what metrics you like, was one of the more dominant closers in the American League over the last two years, um, I think you need pitching back for that, and I think that's what the Rays wanted. So they were probably right. asking yeah. for a Flaherty or a Helsley or a, or a Hicks, and we weren't going to do that. And so yeah. just Bader wasn't going to do it for him. That's my guess. But I would I would do that deal if that's what you're asking.
0: Well, and I, I would never be as crazy as to suggest that it would have been just Bader because I think you and I both know that and, and that this would take pitching in return as well. But I think my larger point was is that, if you had the opportunity to get somebody like Colomay or even uh, a different closer, um, for instance, you know, Brad Bach or, you know, whatever, somebody that is an established and proven reliever that you know you can hand the ball in the ninth inning and say, go win this this game. And it, all it took was, a, you know, shelling out in, an outfielder in a low-end uh, pitching prospect, that's where, I, that's where I'm That's where i so confused with the approach of the front office because this entire time we're hearing, oh, we've got pitching, we've got outfield, we need this and we need that. Well, we got one thing, but we didn't get the other. And so now we're stuck uh, uh, at this crossroad, and I think this big division amongst fans is that whether we did enough or whether we didn't do enough, and it's tough to it's tough to really justify not moving a lot of your excess pieces in order to make the team better. At least that's what I that's how I feel. And and maybe that's to your point, Dan, of we couldn't move them because everybody else knows that we have them. But if there's a team out there that needs help
1: like the Rays,
0: I I'm moving pieces, man. I'm not I'm not sitting there waiting for the best offer when I know it may not come. And so I I mean I guess that's just my philosophy with it, but I I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe maybe that the Cardinals maybe tried, but at the end of the day, everybody else's asking price became so exorbitant because they knew what the Cardinals had. And they were just saying, no, we want that, we want that, and we want that. And the Cardinals were just not willing to do that because they're like, okay, that's crazy. Nobody in their right mind would make that trade. Yeah, th- those
2: are all those are all good points. It's just odd because when you see some of the bigger trades that happen, and Larry, love to hear your your perspective on this too. Some of the bigger trades that happen, I kind of looked at them and I was like, oh, is that all they got for Garrett Cole? Oh, right. Is that all they got for Christian Yelich? Oh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I know these are hitters, but these are prime-time hitters or, or, or starting pitchers and stuff. Like, is that all they got for uh, Jake Odorizzi? I mean, they basically got like some toasted ravioli for Jake Odorizzi, um, who is like a serviceable back end of the rotation guy with upside to be more. He's basically Michael Walker if you look at his career, um, only without the initial yeah. dominance. So like. If that's all it took to get Odorizzi, I'm not saying he improves our team like an Archer would, but you would think if that was Odorizzi, a similar cost would be there for Colome. If that's true, then you're probably right that Bader could get it done with maybe a lower end, like maybe an Austin Gomber or something like that. Then yeah, if that, would, I would have pulled the trigger on that all day in a heartbeat because those guys, like yeah, you said, that- their best chance to make the majors is for the Padres to claim them in the waiver wire.
0: Right. I mean, this—it it, just—it's—it's it's a maddening thing. And, and Larry, I apologize. Let let's get your reaction on this too. I
3: just, I just, I just. There seems there seems to have been a lack of creativity, um, and and that's the part that bothers me. I mean, you mentioned Odorisi going for toasted ravioli, and he really did. He went for what the Twins' twenty seventh ranked prospect, right? So yeah. So you know, so you could have. You could have added on, Od- which would have given you the flexibility to put John Gant in the bullpen, right? So you could have had that kind of choice structure, you know, that would have been great. Um, alternately, let me take a guy who was just traded this last, in the last few days, Corey Dickerson, right? We need an outfielder yeah. like we need a hole in the head. But, you know, look at what, what Corey Dickerson was traded for. Well, what was it? Daniel Hudson and some junk, Right. And and, right. and so yeah, so only to be traded on himself, only to be traded yeah. himself.
0: I guarantee it.
3: Yeah, we could we could have put in something and then move Dickerson, who's an incredibly valuable tool for some teams. Uh, but again, there they just didn't seem there's this is why going back to Dan's rational man uh, approach, you know, which is which is a fine approach. I, I come back to the conclusion that they really believe that they have a team. That's better than the rest of us think that they do, um, and that's the part that probably scares me the most of all.
2: Or Larry, that yeah, the and, team and, is just good enough uh, to to feign competition this year, so they can poise yeah. for better players next year yeah, when they're I mean, really and, and that
1: that would be
0: fine, Dan, if they were okay with saying that.
2: Yeah, to their fan base.
0: If they if they came out and said, hey, you know what, we're stopping here because we want to make sure from next year we can have the best opportunity to sign the best players that we can. If they came out and said that, I, you wouldn't hear another word from me about it. I would never complain about that. I won't complain about their offseason again. But they won't do that because they don't want to show their pieces, blah, 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 whatever. But the problem is is that you look at the teams that continue to get better, the Cubs, the Brewers, and, and the Cubs, you know, they'll get more starting pitching. They'll do it. We just, But it's like I said in our group chat the other day. Imagine the riot that happens if Jake Arietta signs with the Brewers. What happens to the Cardinals at that point? Because I guarantee you the that everybody's just going to be saying, you know what, all right, that's it. Or third place team, and the season hasn't even started, and I guarantee you that's going to be what you know what Mo says. But what it, it just and, and to Larry's point, if they truly think they are good enough at this point to make the playoffs, you are taking an awfully big risk at this point, especially with the players that you signed this year in the offseason, Gregerson, Miklas. Bud Norris, that's a huge risk going into this season saying, you know what, this team is good enough to get us to this point and then we can make some moves. And that's a, that's a really awfully big risk that I, I don't know why they're doing it, but I guess that's why they're paid to think that way. Otherwise, I, there's no telling what could happen right and and, and that's uh, that's just a tough that's just, it's a really tough situation i mean I asked the question because I knew it was tough, but it, it's it's tough because you know the team could do other moves, but they're just refusing to do it yeah and tito
2: my my final thought on this is that the reason I think we as fans think that this offseason has been particularly taxing, other than the incredibly slow pace of it um, and the arguable collusion by the teams against the players, um, is the fact that there are so many teams that are not trying at all, they're just trying to lose, that winning is in grasp more than it's ever been. And the moves for an aggressive team are out there to be made. We've seen other teams do it this offseason, such as the Astros. They weren't complacent with being really, really good and the world champs. They went and got Garrett Cole, right? They still might make another move. So, you know, we didn't do that. And every fan who's watching watches that and knows that. We got Ozuna, which everybody was pumped about, and then we stopped. Stopped. You know, we we got a bunch of spare parts after that, and we're like, these are our 40-man roster guys. And it's like, oh, we're done? Chris Archer hasn't been traded yet, are you sure? The Rays are selling anybody that makes over $35 a year right now. Are you sure you don't want to check back in on Archer? <laughs> you know, so I understand. I think it's because we we have the assets to do these big deals. Other teams are getting them done for what looks like low cost as far as prospects go. And if we made these big moves, we really could be the favorite in the division. We really could be the favorite to make the playoffs and compete with the Dodgers and the Nationals. And we just didn't do it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you make a good point about when the time to win is now. And I think that's, you know, if you if there was one team that senses that, it's the Cubs right now by signing you, Darvish. I mean, they they just – they don't have a choice but to try and win in the next 3 to 4 years because of all the guys that are going to be wanting to get paid uh, you know after the 20 you know 20 I think the 2022 season so it, it it is definitely very interesting guys we're we're just about done with tonight's show and and I just want to get you know quickly get your guys' thoughts on you know what you know the news of Jordan Hicks potentially being closer for the Cardinals. I don't know if I like it. Um but it's certainly intriguing. So Larry, let's start with you. Just, you know, just quickly give me what you think uh what do you think about that?
3: I think it almost never happens. I think Jordan Jordan Hicks is 21, correct? Um Yeah, and I mean, you know, we've seen the examples of guys like K-Rod, you know, who started out under Troy Percival and then became a closer early on. It happens very infrequently. Um, It takes a certain poison personality from a very early age. People usually mature into it. I think it's an extreme outlier as a possibility. I think he'll have a fine, fine major league career, but I think someone, anyone who's counting on that, as a high probability for this year, is smoking something, and if it does happen, I'll pay for whatever they're smoking.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Dan, what do you think? What do you think of the news of Hicks being a closer?
2: I I think it'll be a closer, but for the Memphis Redbirds, uh, not for the Cardinals. Um, I think it'll be a closer potentially for the Cardinals when Luke Gregerson is no longer a Cardinal. Um, I think that deal was set up, for these young guys to come up after that deal expires. So I think he's got a two year outlook for when he's the closer of the Cardinals, if, if he continues to, to be dominant, but I don't, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Although I am ecstatic to see him close out games this spring. I want to see what he's got. Yeah.
3: That's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I'm excited for that too. I just, I just hope that uh, the more, the emphasis switches back to him being a starting picture that's just me i mean i think you know i think we can all live and die by the sword that says uh you can never have too much starting pitching and i think that's the kind of that's the sword that the cardinals are are falling on right now so guys that's going to do it for tonight thank you so much for listening this is the official redbird rants podcast season 2 for Dan and Larry I'm Tito we'll catch you guys next time thanks for listening and go cards Thanks, guys.
3: Bye.